Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. And we are two of the six founding members of DSO Connect, a group dedicated to helping dance studio owners build successful businesses and live balanced lives. Hi, Casey. Hi, Robin. <laughs> it's really good to see you in person. For this I know. Podcast. It's great to see you too. I'm so excited that we could actually get together and do this in person this time. Usually we're long distance podcasters, but today we're in real life. It's awesome. Yeah, it'll be nice to have a conversation with you and actually see your face. Absolutely. So how's your studio going? Um, great. Very busy as mm -hmm. always. And one of the things that I sometimes tend to feel overwhelmed with is the amount of ideas that come into my head and the sometimes inability to execute those ideas in a timely manner. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like I have, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and talking to other studio owners and getting so many great ideas. But when it comes to actually implementing and executing them, sometimes I have the best of intentions and it just doesn't wind up happening. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering if other studio owners tend to, or entrepreneurs in general, if we tend to have short attention spans. I feel like that's definitely true. Yeah. We're big ideas people. Right. Um, I think that there's some something called the entrepreneurial mindset, mm -hmm. and we tend to be big picture people. We are very inspired by other people's successes and other people's ideas, and we're constantly feeding ourselves motivation, and then we get so excited, we're just brimming over with these ideas. And at least for me, I find that sometimes I need to turn off that spigot mm -hmm. and say, all right, I have these ideas, now how am I going to implement them? Absolutely. I love what you said about being inspired by other people's success. I think that is such a good mindset to keep, to keep in mind mm -hmm. that instead of looking at other successful people, whether it's in your own industry or elsewhere, to look at their success and have it motivate you instead of intimidate you or feel like it's competition or make you feel like you aren't, uh, aren't worthy or aren't successful. Look at that success and think, wow, I can do that too. Yeah. 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 And once you release that feeling of inadequacy mm -hmm. and comparing yourself to someone else. Yeah. And that like imposter syndrome that mm -hmm. I know we all feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I always try to look at other people who are in maybe maybe a little bit further on their journey than I am. Mm -hmm. um, I I look at them as inspiration. Like I, I can do this. They can do it. I can do it. What are they doing? What are they doing to? What little things are they doing that I can adopt? Yeah, and that's why I love the DSO Connect community because we are all on this journey together and also supportive of one another and it never feels it never feels catty or like we're competing with one another or like we're trying to get one over on the next studio owner we're just here to support each other yeah absolutely so uh shameless plug listeners if you are a dance studio owner and it's and that kind of community sounds like something that you would like to be a part of uh, find us on Facebook. It's called DSO Connect Community. Make sure that when you click join, you answer the questions to be accepted. We only accept actual dance studio owners. So join us and, and we hope that you'll find the same inspiration in our group that, that we have found. Yeah, we are so interested in meeting new people, 
Uh, we have dance studio owners in our group that are from all over the country. We all have, over the world, too. We've got some international studio owners now, yeah, too. Yeah, we've got someone from Canada. I think we've got someone from Australia yeah. or New mm-hmm. Zealand. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to hear perspectives um, uh, about how things are working in their you know, neck of the woods. Absolutely. And get new ideas about different ways to do things mm-hmm. and different projects to pursue and different systems to implement in our businesses. But again, when you're hearing from so many people, it can get overwhelming. So Robin, what are we talking about today? Oh, well, our nice, topic. Nice segue. <laughs> yeah. We are talking about delegating at your studio, how to start steering your ship and stop swabbing the deck. So it starts with our entrepreneurial mindset. As dance studio owners, we all have it, and we've talked about this already, but we have so many ideas around improving our business and adding new programs and different ways we can build the business and help our students and help our staff and connect with our parents. We love to listen to podcasts and talk to other studio owners and and all these all these different ways that we get new ideas, but actually rolling up your sleeves and getting those things implemented is a, is a real challenge for us. We feel overwhelmed, under-accomplished, and we don't know where to start, and that can lead to feeling inadequate. And I have a feeling this probably sounds familiar to mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners. Um, so you're not alone, and you're not failing. Your brain works this way, and that's why you're a leader, because you're working on the big picture, and the key to harnessing your powers as a business owner, owner is to delegate. So imagine, just for a moment, go with me, <laughs> that you have a team in place that would take notes when you go on and on about your big ideas and then magically make them happen for you while you're off coming up with new ideas. It sounds like a total dream come true. It's lots of dreaming and scheming and then passing the implementation onto your trusted team. You might be thinking that you don't have people in place for that or you can't afford to pay people to do these things. I totally get it. I remember being stuck in that place when I was a new studio owner thinking, I can't afford help, but if only I had help, then I could afford help. Yes, exactly. That cycle of, I need people to make money, but I need to make money in order to afford the people. Right, and that's a real common place for a lot of studio owners. Oh, absolutely, and we hear it all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I just don't have enough money to do this, but I need to do this. but there are ways to take the plunge without risking your budget. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of getting a little bit of traction, mm-hmm. and then you'll be surprised at how quickly things start to move along. Absolutely. So the answer is just do it. There are, <laughs> I know it sounds so simple and condescending, but it's not. There are ways to take this plunge without risking your budget, like Casey just said. So we're going to talk through a couple of those things and hopefully give you some ideas so that you can get started. Yeah, so where we're going to start is looking at who you already have on your team. Even if you are a one-woman show, you still have resources to at your disposal that you might not be thinking of. You have parents, you have students, you have friends and family. There are ways to start this pro- start the delegating process without taking on new hires before so that you can get to the point where you feel confident in being able to afford those new hires. 
Right. So think about the people that you, um, if you have an hour, any hourly staff that might have downtime. Maybe you're paying someone to sit at the front desk and answer parent questions and answer the phone, but they don't have anything else to do. They run out of tasks pretty quickly, and then they're just sitting there, and they're probably on Facebook on their phones. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to fill up their time. Maybe there's parents that struggle to pay for dance or who would add that third, fourth, eighth class, but they can't afford it and maybe they're willing to barter. Or what about a teenage student who would appreciate a part-time job or a work-study opportunity? Or maybe one of your teachers has a dead hour in between classes or wouldn't mind coming in early or staying late, who can pick up some extra hours and responsibilities but doesn't need a full 20-hour-a-week part-time job. Yeah. So let's go over each one. So Robin, talk to me about front desk. Okay. So maybe you have a front desk person. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's nobody at your desk. Um, if if there's nobody at your desk, you really want to consider having a body there for Absolutely. lots of reasons. Um, it's just good customer service. And you can get a lot of uh, mundane tasks X'd off your list mm-hmm. um, by having someone at the desk. Yeah. Think about all the things that you do that are um, what what I would say would be like a minimum wage type of a job, mm-hmm. like emptying the trash, like refilling the toilet paper, like uh, refilling the soap, um, you know, cleaning the the lobby seats. I love mm-hmm. to disinfect everything constantly. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, as the owner of the business, you should not be doing those things. Right, right. And it's not that we're above it. No. Um, you know, I always say I'm not above emptying trash, but... Right, I'll do it. Right, but... But my time is better spent coming up with new ideas. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also important once we get systems in place, and we'll talk about this a little later, is to not go back and do the tasks that you assign to other people. Right. Because it's like training a dog or your children. <laughs> if you say to your children, when I put a pile at the bottom of these steps, that means take it up to your room and put it away. But then every time you go up the steps, you take the pile up and put it away. Right. You're basically teaching your kids that they don't have to do what you just told them to do. And and our, you know, our staff is the same thing. You have right. to you know, make sure they've got those systems and procedures in place and that it is their job to do it. And you have to hold them accountable and like at first check behind them, mm-hmm. make sure everything's done. It's a really good idea when you first have a front desk person and give them these checklists to sit with them after their first week and go through it together. Okay, mm-hmm. did you have questions about this? How did this go? And then maybe it's every other week, and then it's maybe once a month, and you slowly wean them off so that they become more independent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, another thing to really keep in mind is the more ownership you give a person, absolutely, the more they're going to enjoy and um, take responsibility for the right. entire job. So you should have a front desk systems manual, a binder with tabs and color-coded dividers <laughs> and all kinds of fun office supply things in there um, that I love, but you should have that. But you don't have to have it in place already before you hire someone. I think that's what a lot of studio owners get stuck on. They feel like they have to have all the systems before they hire someone. Mm-mm. You can hire someone and have them make the systems. Yep. Train them how to use your studio management software and then have them write a manual so that, you know, tell them, okay, 
let's pretend we're hiring a new person to work the front desk and you need to leave them this book about how to use our software. Yep. And that way you don't have to do it. And then when you do hire that next person, they can just read the binder yep. and it's good to go. And that first person who made that binder feels a lot of ownership over it. And probably since they're the person doing it and you're not, it will be a more efficient system maybe than more what accurate. you and more accurate than what you would have come up with. Right. Yeah. So front desk person should have a daily list of opening and closing systems, weekly tasks, monthly tasks, busy work, and maybe a project or two. What are some of your weekly or monthly tasks that your front desk people do? Oh, um, well, my front desk staff is so trained that I don't even know. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. But I can probably rack my brain a little bit and think. So, Well, I'll tell you. Okay. So some of my weekly tasks are um, imp- updating the MailChimp list. So mm-hmm. I use MailChimp and the studio director at my studio. So I have my... And they're not linked. I don't have them linked together. I wish there was a way, and maybe there is, but I don't have it yet. (laughs) Um, So I have one of my front desk people every Monday. She uh, generates a report of all the new students added, students dropped, and um, students who have switched classes. And then she updates the MailChimp list with those email addresses. And that way, when I send out an email through MailChimp on Wednesday, I don't have to worry about whether that new student who just registered is on it or if someone who who has dropped a class is receiving an email that's no longer pertinent to them. That's great. So that's a really good um, weekly task to do. Um, Another one is calling trial students from the previous week. Anyone who walked in your door for the first time and experienced a class should get a phone call. Uh, And you wanna keep tabs on where they are in the process. I also monthly have them do birthday cards. Super simple. I had, I think I did it on Vistaprint. I made, I designed a birthday card in Canva. I printed them on Vistaprint and I pretty sure I got it on like a 75% off sale that Vistaprint has all the time and I got like a thousand cards made so I've got cards for years (laughs) and um they generate again it's a it's a studio director report of all the birthdays in that month and I have my front one of my front desk people uh basically sign in a different color ink for every teacher at the studio (laughs) and then address them and stamp them and take them to the mailbox so I don't even have to look at them it just happens she even takes them to the mailbox for me gosh what another thing is um answering emails that could be considered silly questions right certainly not silly to the customer but they're questions that we've heard sixteen thousand times exactly and when you get it in your inbox and you know that it's answered on the website and in the welcome packet and in the handout that they got last week and everywhere you get frustrated by just seeing that email come through your inbox but if there's a general inbox for general information at your studio before it comes to you, then your front desk can answer those questions for you and you don't even have to see it. Yeah, just make sure that your front desk person has access to the answers. So maybe you have uh, an FAQ page. Absolutely. Or maybe that's something that they can put together for you. They can put together for you, absolutely. Or what what we usually do is we have um, our brochure and you can just go through, go into the policies. Why is my tuition full price this month when there were only three lessons because of Thanksgiving? Right. Well, well they can just copy paste that 
that section. policy exactly yes and um, something else that should be in your front desk systems manual is like phone etiquette mm. um, something that they should train in is like a uh, a role play with a with you pretending to be a customer and them answering your questions and the general you need to train your staff on the general tone that you want them to have when they're speaking to customers because that's not it might be intuitive to you but it's not intuitive to everyone else they can't read your mind (laughs) and just one little thing on the customer service and phone answering have you noticed lately I actually heard this on a podcast it was a, a tip that was given and then after I heard the tip I was a customer online with customer service several Mm -hmm. times and I noticed that people were implementing this. What is it? It's, you know, I'm a customer, I'm frustrated because my, um, you know, there's an incorrect charge on my credit card. So I call Discover and I'm, I'm frustrated and you can hear it in my voice and the customer service agent says, Oh wow, I can understand why you're so frustrated. Oh my God, that diffuses the situation. Absolutely. It's like they're on your side. Yes. Well, I can see how frustrating that would be. Right. Like, and and be genuine. Don't be condescending. Right. But like but that. But then for them to also follow up with, I can absolutely help you today. We're going to get this worked out. Right. It's exactly. like immediately I'm like, okay, thank God. I'm not going to have to fight with someone. Exactly. Nobody wants to fight. Right. <laughs> absolutely. So let's keep going. Okay. So that's front desk. And I feel like we could do a whole mm-hmm. series of podcast episodes more on front desk and you know what that job entails. But let's move on to other people who already exist in your studio community that you can delegate tasks to. So tell us more. Okay, so work-study parents. So we all have, for every student you have, we have two parents or possibly three or four that come (laughs) along with those students. A lot of families, a lot of these parents want to be involved in the activity that their child is involved in. Yeah, I mean, think about sports. Like, Mm -hmm. parents want to be coaching their kids' soccer teams. Mm -hmm. Parents want to be, you know, the the team team photographer. They want to be handing out orange slices Mm -hmm. at practice. They want to be involved. And just like in sports, the parents want to be involved at dance. And you can find those people and utilize them. And the more you get the parents involved, the more they're super glued to your studio. So that family is going to return and probably spread the word. So it's, it's, really a great way and to the other thing improve to, your retention. The sorry, other thing ahead. to it's all right. The only thing the other thing to remember is, you know, as studio owners sometimes we feel like only we know how to do it. Oh, only God. we know how to run a dance studio. Well guess what? So you've got customers who might have had a career in sales and marketing. Absolutely. Or someone who is an amazing seamstress. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, someone who's really good at cleaning her own house and right. might want to clean your studio. Or who owns a, a house cleaning company and maybe wants to, you know, she has employees who clean and that you can barter for your cleaning. And how wonderful is that? Right. Um, you, or someone who's a graphic designer mm-hmm. or someone who, talk about your bartender, Robin. Oh, so we have, it's actually a parent of one of our instructors. Uh, her dad is a flair bartender. And he wanted to enroll his son in one of our bands, but it was a little bit, you know, pricey for their budget. So I sat down with them and we needed a bass player in the band and he wanted to make it happen. And I said, well, what do you have to bring to the table? And he said, well, I'm a flair bartender. How cool. And I thought, well, that's just amazing because you're going to do flair bartending at our video premiere, our big family 
summer cookout mm-hmm. and you're going to do it at our Halloween party and you're going to do it at our DSO Connect Retreat. And so three events, I've had him do flair bartending and it just really adds a different kind of touch. Oh my God, it's so fun. At our DSO Connect Retreat pool party at your house, it was it was just amazing People i mean we were caught off guard it was like oh that's different right it was different it's fun it's unique it just adds a little it adds literal flair yeah. <laughs> but also it's a win-win it really is it is so um so think outside the box and ask people you know what what they can what they have what skills they have what they might be interested in in adding yeah so be careful though with parents you want to make sure that you're picking the right personality yes to get into bed with so to speak don't invite crazy into your world no absolutely not and and what i have a, i have a rule that i do not do enter into a work study agreement with a family that has not been with me for at least a year absolutely uh it's nice to see what their level of commitment is mm-hmm. uh, you don't always know a person's true colors right away no you know everyone comes in with their their happy face on and then I'm sure you've had this customer too. She's super sweet, but mm-hmm. you just have this feeling that the first time something goes wrong, she's not going to be solution oriented. She's going to be the one to pop off. Right. Solution oriented is absolutely what you're looking for. And right. you can also keep an ear out for the parents who are gossiping in the lobby mm-hmm. or who are complaining to you about other parents or who are complaining to you about other activities that their kids do. Like, mm. oh my gosh, you would not believe what I just went through with her gymnastics gym and her oh. coach and yada, yada, yada. Well, chances are that, yeah, that's a big old <laughs> red flag. Um, so you want to make sure that you're not choosing those parents, but you're choosing the level-headed, even-keeled, the calm ones, mm-hmm. and like you said, Robin, the solution-oriented, the people who voluntarily step up to the plate, who have maybe volunteered to be a back stage mom before um someone who is consistent consistent who can follow your rules absolutely who doesn't try to sneak in the wrong color tights because they were cheaper at walmart right um all of those things yes once you identify a parent that you might want to approach i would say you know sit down with them privately and have a meeting and and bounce some ideas around once you come to an agreement, make sure that there is a written contract. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be all legal, but it needs to be a it needs to be spelled out clearly mm-hmm. so that all parties are in agreement and if there's any question down the road, you can refer to the contract. Absolutely. That takes all the personal hurt feelings out of it. Yes. Let's refer to the contract. My dad taught me that. Um, he does it actually with us as his kids. Like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Like if I borrowed money to buy a car, he wrote it out. And then if I later, I mean, of course, this is when I was in my 20s. But then, you know, three years later when I say, Dad, um, I'd like to renegotiate the, the amount of the monthly payment. He says, well, let's look at the contract. The contract says your monthly payment is this. Right. Right. And then there's no arguing. You can't argue with the contract. Absolutely. (laughs) And I also find that when you sign a piece of paper, there's something like somber about Mm -hmm. that. And they take it more seriously rather than like, oh, sometimes I clean on Mondays, but sometimes I come in on Tuesdays instead. No, your contract says Monday. So God damn it, you're going to clean on Monday. (laughs) Yeah. And another thing that's important is they should always be compensated. I don't, let's say um, my, my, I have a work study mom who is a graphic designer. I do not want her to discount her fee 
for me because I am not discounting my tuition for her. Right. It's dollar for dollar. So if she does $100 of work for me, she She submits an invoice to Mm -hmm. me for $100 and I apply it to her account as a $100 payment. Or... If it's someone who's doing, you know, hourly cleaning or hourly costume organizing or whatever, make them fill out a timesheet mm-hmm. and agree on an hourly rate mm-hmm. and then calculate it out and mm-hmm. apply that as a credit on their account. Right. If they're being compensated, they're less likely to bail. Exactly. And you want to always feel like things are fair for everyone. Right. Because no one wants, you don't want to get into a situation where you know, they start out happy with it and then down the line they feel taken advantage of. Right. And you don't want to be taken advantage of. Certainly not. Yeah. So make sure it's in writing. Everybody gets compensated and um, choose the right people. And choose the right people. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. Okay. So another group of people or people you can find to delegate to is your own students. Your, you can start a work study program for your teens. I have a work study program at my studio that has been an absolute godsend. It is amazing. I love it. So I have them apply. I just created a Google form for them to fill out. It's a questionnaire about their availability and what level they're in and you know their schedule and all of that. And then they have to write an essay about why they want to be a work wow, study student. That's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And so um, so it's super easy because it's all online and I just send out the email and then they submit it. And when they submit their essay document, it's just uploaded to my drive. I just love Google. Um, and and then I read all their essays and more than likely, everyone gets in. I've never had someone be, I've never had too many students apply, I should say. I have enough work for everyone, and nobody wants, like, nobody needs 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want one day a week, probably, mm-hmm. and maybe it's like an hour and a half. So, things I have my teens do, aside from assisting me in my classes, which most of them do, I also have them do things like clean the preschool props. We use dots and stars and cones and ribbon sticks, and so those get cleaned at least once a week. They um, inventory new dancewear shipments when they come in, make sure that the shipping list matches what's in the box, set it, you know, set it all out. I rarely touch any of the dancewear that I sell at my studio unless I'm like helping someone try on shoes or whatever, but generally it comes in, my student inventories it, it gets hung up and it, they put a tag on it. They there's a pricing list, they write the price on the tag, boom, done. Um, I have them inventory our cleaning supplies. I have them use lice, you know, Clorox, um, Clorox wipes to disinfect all the doorknobs, mm-hmm. to disinfect all the seats in the lobby. I have them clean mirrors. I have them, um, you know, replace the toilet paper, empty the trash. My trash in my whole studio. I don't know how. I'm not a huge studio. I don't know how these trash cans fill up so mm-hmm. damn fast. Mm-hmm. But I have my trash cans emptied. Um, at least twice a day, and it's my teens that do that. They refill the toilet paper, they refill the soap, um, they wipe down the bathroom at least once a night. And you know what? what's really nice about having the teens do this is 
every so often when they get to be about the age where they're going to drive, their parents say, you know, you need to get a job. You need to get a job. And then they come to you and they say, Miss Casey, I'm not going to be able to dance as much this year because my mom said I have to get a job. Right. Well, Well, I can give you a job job starting at three or as soon as you can get here after school until your class. And guess what? There's no travel time Mm -hmm. that we're losing 45 minutes because you have to drive from across the town to get here. Their parents are going to love that because they are helping to reduce their dance bill, mm-hmm. but they're in an environment that they already are familiar with. So their parents don't have to worry about who they're hanging around at their mm-hmm. new job or mm-hmm. what kind of influencers are there. They already trust you and they trust your studio. Right. So I have a, a weekly checklist for each of my work-study students so they know exactly what they need to do and I flip through and make sure everything's getting done. And then that way I can evaluate, okay, this student has too many things. They're not finishing every week, you know. Oh, she hasn't washed dishes in like three weeks. Mm -hmm. Clearly it's too much. I'll pass that task to someone else. So they fill out a timesheet. They make an hourly rate, and I apply that as a credit to their account. Right, and per IRS regulations, just be sure that you are counting that as an expense and counting the tuition credit as an income just so that you're compliant with all IRS regulations. Exactly. So yeah, if you have teens in your studio who love being there and um, you know, you've got props that need to be cleaned and floors that need to be swept, which we all do, put those teens to work. They feel really valued and they like doing it. And on the days where they finish up early, like my kids are a little disappointed. They're like, oh, there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that they want to be at the studio all the time. And those kids, again, are, are super glued, glued to my studio. Yeah. So let's move on and talk about delegating to teachers. Yeah. So your teachers, you know, I know that at our studio, when we do our fall schedule or our summer schedule, we're always trying to give teachers a block of time. Mm -hmm. And you know, every so often there's that class right in the middle of the block that doesn't have enough kids. Or maybe it's the last class of the night that doesn't have enough students. And you, you feel bad to cut the class because you need the, the teacher to have four hours of work or whatever. So in those situations when you might have a teacher with a dead hour or maybe you have a teacher who's willing to come in a little earlier Mm -hmm. um, this is a great opportunity to assign some tasks to someone without having to hire another person a person and commit to another 20 hours a week and their administrative rate for those hours can be lower than their regular teaching rate correct correct so what are the things some of the things that I have teachers do is mostly like we have a dance director we have our creative kids director we have an artistic director um we have a ballet director so for example the ballet teacher makes sure that all of the ballet teachers are on the same page and maybe um coordinating their lesson plans so that we're all focusing on arms this month and mm-hmm. then next month we're working on a palma or whatever and so one of her tasks is to you know make sure that all the ballet teachers are on the same page also i like teachers to spontaneously and i'm saying that in air quotes <laughs> send an email once a week to a random student just say telling the mom how lovely that student is oh that's great that little amount of effort goes so far uh, I know that when I get, every so often I'll get a postcard in the mail from one of my son's teachers at school. Just, 
and at first it's a panic, like, oh my God, something's coming <laughs> from the school. And then once you start reading, it just warms your heart. Just that somebody took a moment to say yeah. something nice about your kid. No, that's awesome. I mean, what parent doesn't want to receive a compliment about their child? Right. <laughs> and it makes the family feel like their child is appreciated and yeah. seen and noticed again super glowing and yeah those those and that the teachers are paying attention right yeah so uh, also you're gonna have teachers who have skills in other areas Mm -hmm. perhaps they can follow up with um, with leads maybe Mm -hmm. they're really good on the phone maybe they're very knowledgeable about your schedule and how things things go and maybe they can hop on the front desk and do a little bit of something to assist there. Mm-hmm. So what else do you have your teachers do? Um, I have them help me organize things like trips to go see performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a th- we do every once in a while we'll do for Spirit Week or something we might do some sort of a contest and the winner gets to pick their favorite teacher and go to the local ice cream store Cute. with the teacher. Well, that's going to take me a couple hours to coordinate right? because now the winners, I need to contact their parents and find out when they're available, who's right. their favorite teacher, who's the friend they're going to bring, give give the teacher some cash to go you know, to the ice cream right. shop. So and, yeah. that's totally something that I could pass off. That's brilliant. And again, you might be thinking these are not... Gen- revenue generating tasks, but they really are in an indirect way. They are, yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's that student who wins that prize and gets to go get ice cream with their favorite dance teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, they will never forget that experience. Oh, but don't forget to post it on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so that everybody knows. Post it on Facebook and Instagram, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I have a couple of teachers who love organizing things. Mm. And my problem is that I also love organizing mm. things. So I like tend to want to keep those tasks for myself, but I finally accepted that I just don't have time. And that's what we're talking about, exactly. about delegating. Yes. You're not the only one who can organize. Exactly. And you need to be doing the $100 an hour work. Right. And pass off the right. $10, $20 an hour work. So right. I you know, had one of my teachers, she was looking through the costume closet one day and said, Casey, can I organize this for you? Because it was a hot mess. And I said, girl, please come on in on a Saturday or a Friday morning, whenever you want to come in. You have a key. Come on in. Organize the closet. Track your hours. I will pay you admin rate for that. And I came in one day. She texted me. She said, take a look at the closet when you come in. And it was Beautiful. <laughs> it Lovely. Was, and it was you so great. probably were working on something more important. Exactly. At the time. Or I was, I don't know, sleeping yeah. or spending time with friends mm-hmm. or taking a yoga class, something that maybe doesn't generate revenue for me, but it's still really important to keep my sanity. Yeah. So to review people you can delegate to, your current teachers, your current parents your current teenage students. You already have those people in place. And your front desk person. And your front and your front desk person if you already have one. So you already have your, those people in place. Use utilize them to the fullest extent. Yep. Just a couple tips before we wrap it up. Um, you really want to resist the temptation to do things yourself. We mm-hmm. talked about this earlier. Don't empty the trash if it's not your job. When you're launching a new project, your job is to lay out the plan for your team 
and then follow up. Exactly. You can use a project management software like Asana or Trello or Monday, and I believe all of them have free versions. Mm -hmm. And then you can keep track of where your team is and see where the project is along the way. You can even copy that project for next year. And that's something that's really great about our business is that it is cyclical and really everything is repeatable from year to year. So, And all important info is stored in that software. So the copy that you want to use, images, contact info, updates, questions and answers, everything is there in that software. Yeah, and that saves a lot of time also because just a quick example, if let's say we're doing a frozen winter wonderland party and I set it up in my project management software and I put in there the copy, like the description of the event, all the facts, and, um, and the price and, and the, the time pr- right, and all, all of that. that. So then when Kathy, my office manager, is setting it up in the registration software, she doesn't have to sh- sh- email me and say, what's the copy? She can just go into Asana and get the copy. If right. I change the copy, it's changed in the central location. Then the graphic designer knows exactly where to get the information and then she puts the image there. So it's like a hub, mm-hmm. a central place to keep everything and then you're not constantly spending extra time emailing the same thing to various people. Exactly. So you should be spending your time checking in on the progress of each area and tweak the systems as you go. Mm-hmm. Written instructions or videos are essential so that if you get someone new in that role, there is easy training and consistency. We use Google Docs to store all of our systems. So, you know, in Google Docs, I have a file and there are separate folders for our dance program, our music program, our theater program, our gymnastics program. And then within there, I have performances, student evaluations. Again, you're putting all of your documents in one hub where everyone can find it and you're updating things um, on the regular so that a new person who comes in can easily just jump into the game. Right, and you need to be scheduling regular meetings with your admin team, your teaching staff, your artistic team, and maybe that just means you and your one other teacher sit down (laughs) once a month or whatever. And if it's challenging to get together and do it in person, I know scheduling is such a nightmare most of the time, you can use Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts and have it be an online meeting. Um, I do uh, video meetings with my staff on Sunday evenings sometimes and you know maybe we have a glass of wine while we're doing it Mm -hmm. but we're still (laughs) looking at each other on a screen face to face catching up and making sure that we are progressing as we should be with all of our projects and processes yep don't constantly reinvent the wheel like what Casey just said about our business being cyclical Mm -hmm. this is so huge don't feel like you have to reinvent your process from year to year right if you're building upon what worked last year not only will your team appreciate the routine but your families will also be less confused Mm -hmm. if the event looks the same from year to year you'll be really amazed and pleased at how your families will start scheduling their life around your studio event right if your recital is always the weekend after memorial day weekend they will learn that and know that and schedule it into their their calendar right away so you don't have conflicts with them going on a cruise or visiting family or whatever right yep so don't reinvent the wheel another thing that you can have your administrative staff and your teachers and everyone do is after each large event each performance each party whatever it might be 
have them take a couple notes, make sure they do it right after so it doesn't, you know, they don't forget about it, but take a couple notes, what worked, what didn't work, what we should do differently next year, save that in a folder, save that in your Google Docs. Yeah, we have a debrief that we do after each event and I'll actually submit the PDF and, and maybe we can provide it in the somewhere, yeah, in the group or something. Yeah, um, so basically, my personal assistant, Brooke, will, her job at the end of each event is to contact all of the people who are involved in the event and ask them, it's like three very simple questions. What went well? What can we do better for next time? And basically, did we make any money? And so yeah, she, and that can even be a Google form. You can just email it, like all of your ooh. backstage volunteers. You can just email them that form and then automatically mm. have those responses. Great tip. You can email all the Google form to all of your administrative team, to all of your teachers, and then it's just so much easier for them. Yep, and then you make sure that you file it in your Google Docs under that event, and then next year when it's time to start planning, you need to remember to pull out the debrief from mm -hmm. last year at the beginning of your planning. Exactly. So you can say, all right, well, we were aiming for a 50% profit margin on that event. We only came in at 40%. What can we do differently? Well, we didn't have to spend that much money on the craft. And again, the more your team, whether that's parents or administrative or teachers, the more they feel ownership in the process, the more invested they're going to be to make it better next year. Right. All right. Um, another, in terms of not reinventing the wheel, last thing I'll say is if you can use the same theater from year to year for oh, your performances, huge. that will cut back on so much of your planning and you're just, you, you never want your recital to be a bunch of people bumbling around, bumping into each other <laughs> with chaos backstage. No. And the longer you are in the same theater, the more of a well-oiled machine your backstage will become. Absolutely. People walk in there, and literally, I will tell you that when I show up at the theater that we've been using for 15 years on recital weekend, I don't like to get up in the morning. So everyone <laughs> else is there at 8 a.m. All the crew, the volunteers, the students, my team, they're all there at 8 a.m. I stroll in at 10.30. That's beautiful. With a cup of coffee in my hand and my sunglasses on, and everything is fine. You know why? Because they've been doing it for so long. They know exactly where everyone's dressing room is. We have systems in place. Their sign, the signs were put up the day before. Mm -hmm. But if I'd used a different theater every year, it would be it wouldn't a work. Mess. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, try to make good relationships with people so that you can use the same theater from mm -hmm. year to year. I just want to say in closing that as an older established studio owner. You're not old, Robin. Well, I turned 50, <laughs> I turned 50 this year and I do feel like it's going to be my best decade yet, but yes. I am older than you, Casey. True. Um, so as an older, more established studio owner, I can tell you that delegating has allowed me to enjoy our performances. Like I just said, I stroll on in there. I literally spend that weekend hugging, handshaking and high-fiving. That is my job Absolutely. at the theater. Yeah. And you cannot get there if you're not willing to delegate to other people. Right. You should not be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Cut off. You should be the face of cool and calm and enthusiastic. Right. And if you have any thoughts of, well, my customers will think that I am disconnected or no. my customers won't think I love them, 
imagine like Bill Gates. Do you <laughs> think he's running around in his factory? <laughs> Or Jeff Bezos. Do you think he's running around packing boxes oh, God. of shipments to, you know, be delivered in Amazon? No. No. These people are steering the ship. Mm-hmm. They are not swabbing the deck. They are highly respected in their positions. And that is where you want to be. Yep. Being a dance studio owner is not you're just a dance studio owner. No. You are a studio owner. You need to wear that proudly. Mm-hmm. And you need to set up your system so that you can be at the helm. Another thing that it really has allowed me is to be able to travel. We just bought a house in Florida this year and I plan to spend the winters running my business from my lanai and it's going to be beautiful. And I couldn't do that if they're counting on me to empty the trash cans. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. And then if and when you ever decide to sell your studio, having all the systems organized and everything delegated out and your team in place makes your business more valuable because you can say, here it is. You can purchase this business and step into a well-oiled machine rather than purchasing a hot mess where you're going to be stepping into doing everything yourself. Nobody wants to buy that business. Right. No, absolutely not. So take the steps now. Don't feel overwhelmed. Baby steps. Baby steps. One step at a time. Yeah. And if if, if you're a one-woman show, find one person. Find one person this month Mm -hmm. that you can hand off one task to, Mm -hmm. whether that's just cleaning props. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's your, your... your teaching assistant or you know your most advanced student who wants to spend time there find one person commit to that and you will be amazed at how much that does for you yeah. it really is such a stress reliever it's incredible all right i feel like we just spit out a whole <laughs> lot of information i hope all of this was really helpful and not too overwhelming for people yeah. It's but I think not it's as, good. It's not as hard as you think. It really isn't. And once you get going, you're going to just enjoy the fruits of and, the And once item. you do it, you're going to wonder why you waited so long. Yep. And you can just build and build and build. Yep. All right, Casey. I think we've rambled on long enough. I think so. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. We are DSO Connect. If you haven't already, join our free Facebook group, DSO Connect Community. Answer the questions to join for dance studio owners only and make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate and review and tell your friends about us. We want to help as many people as possible with this journey. So join us and share the wealth. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks everybody. Bye.